everyone. Thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of When I Grew Up. On today's episode, it is my pleasure and honor to welcome my friend, Pastor Paul Hong. Hey, hey Paul, how are you? Hi, Blair. How are you? I'm uh, good. It's my privilege and my honor to be on your podcast. Like, it no, really truly, so the honor on. is mine. I'm like, can't stop laughing because Paul <laughs> is so ridiculous. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, you guys, I'm excited for Paul to be on today because um, we are longtime friends. Yeah, we're friends. <laughs> right? I'm glad you questioned it because my mind was like, how do you define a friend? <laughs> you know, like just not okay. a bad thing. It's just we we have known each other for a while. Um and I would like to think that we're friends because of oh. just the history of our our meeting. Yeah. Yes. That's a great <laughs> way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. I always would define somebody as a friend I've sitting down and eaten a meal with and it left on good terms. So, oh, yeah, there we go. so we've I, done that plenty of times. So. I like that. <laughs> that's, that's not really bad. Good. <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. Because I would um, always say you, you would never call somebody a friend you've never like sat down and ate with, had food with. And then, but you like, you don't have a friend that you've not had food with. This is true. This is true. I, I, so I feel like that's a good minimum for friendship, I feel like. Yeah. Did you, so I introduced uh, Paul as Pastor Paul Hong because that's why he's here. He's going to talk about what it's like for him and how the journey has been um, f- towards becoming a pastor um, at a Christian church. Um, <laughs> um, I was going to say something about being friends but anyways it doesn't if I think of it I'll I'll come back to it but um I'm excited because I think we've had a pastor on before and his insight was really great uh but I think the perspective today will be a lot different um I think that uh me too I think because we have this history of ministry together. I might even feel a little more comfortable kind of asking you um, questions that maybe people want to know, but are too scared to ask a pastor. Like, and I think I would appreciate the transparency that comes from you. Um, You've never been one to hold back. So, Oh, I know what I was going to say, Paul, um, about being friends. So, when I first met Paul, he was in this like I don't know I don't know how to say it without being offensive. Don't be offended. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll try. No, I mean like you. I which I I would imagine it's been ten years since Paul and I have like been ten in the same years. room together, like physically. Um, but uh, I would imagine you're the same. But at the time of when I met you. You were, we were both early 20s, right? Super early 20s, and which is so crazy. (laughs) um, And you were like just super on fire for Jesus. Uh, I remember we were reading the word together at a retreat. And you were just weeping and like we, there was a lot of new Christ, new believers in the room. And I, I understood right. the situation. I remember Romans 5. That's what yes, I was reading. This is, yes, you remember, right? And then and everyone else was like confused. And, and, and you know, if you've never been in that situation, if you've never, if you, yeah, if you don't know, right? Like um, 
this kind of conviction or the weight of I don't know how to articulate this well, but um the truth of God, I guess. And it was just no. coming I, I could tell it was just coming alive for you off the pages. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, you were just so broken. And I admired that so much. But anyways, all this to say, I was having a conversation with Paul in my car. We were going somewhere. And you guys, Paul broke my faith for like a good three minutes. Because I was like, what are you saying right now? (laughs) Like, we were talking about prayer. And then you were like asking me like, I don't even remember the questions, honestly. But um, they were good questions, right? Because my personality is... It's just, I see it, I believe it. I don't need to do the research. I don't need to question. It's just who, it's just my personality. That's who I am. But, you know, there are thinkers like you and my husband, David, who are like, but why? And how? It's always that that question, why? Yeah, and then I'm like, why does it matter? (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, we're friends now. It was, it was fine. All was... (laughs) I feel like I feel like a lot of our friendship ended in tears. <laughs> a lot of our meetings, there was a lot of tears involved. No, um, but the times that's... I visited, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say the times I visited for some reason, uh, you we saw each other and it was like I said something and you cried and that was like the the thing that went on for a while it was just like I would visit and then you would end up in tears for some reason or vice versa. I would say something stupid and offensive. Or something like that. And but that is what makes you so endearing, Paul. And truly, <laughs> truly, like... No, but I think it was... I mean, honestly, it probably was just things that, like... Uh, whether they were, like, questions about my faith or just, like, brutal honesty about something, right? <laughs> like, something, like, people just don't talk to me about. And I really, if looking back, I appreciated it, right? Because, like, I think a lot of those questions led me to search, you know, search God's word more and understand, be more self-aware of what I believe and what, um, yeah, like, yeah, what I believe, I guess. And um, so I'm really grateful. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad it worked towards your the growing of your faith as opposed to resentment and bitterness. Yeah. Towards me. <laughs> but I will say, no. oh man, I don't know. I wasn't I kind of thought about if we were gonna talk about this on the podcast. We don't have to. Sure. We don't have to, you know, whatever it is. But I think for a long time, right? Like mm-hmm. uh okay, oh. Sorry, I'm talking a lot. You're my guest, but I'm like talking a lot okay. i'm better working <laughs> off of somebody than i am on my own so yeah Sorry, um i, I <clears throat> okay so so paul and i met at at church um david and i were looking for a korean immigrant church to attend we're before we attended this church we were going to an american multi-ethnic church and we just had heart and conviction to return back to the korean immigrant church so um where we landed paul was there you were there. And then um, some stuff happened, like, in the first couple months that we were there. Um, that was only a few months in, too. Yeah, I mean, it was, like, wait. two or three months that like we were two there. two or three months, that's right. And, and David wasn't even there. He was, like, visiting home or something when it, all, yes, when it all went yes. down, I think. Yeah. Um, and, well, okay, you you talked about this on uh, David Shin's podcast, did you not? 
did I? I probably did. I imagine it probably I brought it up. Maybe I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, um, some stuff happened where um, there the pastor at the time um, did some shady things and was let go, and he and a lot of there was a a lot of consequence because of the shady things that happened that in in turn uh, left David and I in a situation at this church where, uh, yeah, we just had to take up some of the leadership roles. And uh, Paul was like in transition. You were in transition to go to, to seminary at this time. Right. And so you yeah, had to leave, that. which was the right thing to do but i think when you would return every now and then i was not i was still recovering and so i think in my head without even realizing it you kind of symbolized (laughs) this like like past situation that i had to revisit every time you came and which was which which was not your fault obviously but in if I look back on it now, I can see why maybe I had a tough time, like, like, or having tough conversations with you where, mm-hmm. um, and I have no idea you guys, if this is making any sense, I feel like I'm talking very <laughs> like ambiguously and like not clearly, but all that to say, when I say that Paul time. and I, our history binds us is because we, we're just in a sh- short three months amount of time. It was very concentrated in the the life experiences that we went through together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a dark time <laughs> that we went through together. Yeah, for sure. For it was. Sure. Yeah, it was. It was so. What a weird, what a weird time that was. Even just looking back, and you know, I've talked about it multiple times with multiple people, mm. um, and it. When I look back on it, it really was such a weird time, and. You know, I still almost on one level, I still kind of feel bad for leaving at the time. Like and like, but like you said, like it is what you know where the Lord led me. But, um, but yeah, it was a hard time. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. and I hate that was the worst part about it was like you guys, you and David being two or three months in and just having to be like picking up the pieces of what Mm -hmm. happened. You know, um, I don't know if we picked up the pieces, but we just were available at the time <laughs> or something <laughs> whatever you did with those pieces you had to do it by yourself and I probably that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but all that to say um we're friends now we're friends now we're yeah, friends there you go. <laughs> um but we should get into what it is that you do pastor paul there you go you know, um, it's actually not a bad place to start because that is where I went off to seminary, like just during that time. This is you know, true. Right there. This is true. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah. I can certainly start there. Uh, okay, so how old were you then? 10 years ago? That's 22, 23. I probably just Man, turned 23. Babies. We were babies. Look at that. Just straight fresh. Just fresh <laughs> from the garden, whatever you want to call it. Oh goodness. Okay. So, but you know, I I have to know. I don't you know, I don't really remember. Um so when was it that you decided to be a pastor? Um probably probably the November before, I think. The so the year um, before that. 
literally the year before like i mean right maybe right after you guys came mm. like started or maybe right after you guys visited uh, probably because that's i think that's around the time you guys started mm-hmm. coming out we right? came, that, yeah like, i think November? like september october okay. even yeah sure sure yeah i mean i think uh, I, I'm, I'm sure it was november that i figured out because what i was doing at the time so my i, I, had a, I have a good friend um who i really look up to as just like a fellow brother and pastor and things like that and he or he is now uh, he wasn't then but or no actually he was then but anyway um and he had memorized the entire book of philippians and i was competitive i don't know it was something dumb so i decided just gonna memorize the book myself and i'm gonna do galatians because it's two more chapters longer so i could beat him you know <laughs> which is so stupid uh, but i only got through one chapter <laughs> <laughs> but it was in the middle of that chapter and let me actually find it here really quick it was it was in galatians chapter one uh the apostle paul is describing uh his calling into apostleship and he's describing his conversion um and uh he's in uh, and at the time at the same time while i was memorizing that while i was trying to compete with my other friend to be a super christian um we, i was under i was kind of trying to figure out what i was supposed to do um, again, I was 23. I graduated from Baylor, my undergrad at Baylor University with a film degree. So nothing to do with ministry. I became a Christian right at the end of my time at uh, in college. And so unfortunately, four-year degree from a private school suddenly felt like meaningless because I just found Jesus. And that's I just way more interested in the Bible suddenly, as opposed to, you know, TV shows and movies. Um, but um, and so, but, you know, that was, so that I graduated in 2010 and for the two years I moved to Atlanta to take up this internship with that pastor because he was my pastor uh, when I was in high school um, and he had moved over to Atlanta. And so, and, you know, I had called him up and I ended up in Atlanta and he, you know, I it was my, my first job, quote unquote, out of high, uh, out of college was a youth internship. Um, and so I was there and, and just during that time was a time of just kind of going through stuff, growing my faith and, you know, discipling a few kids and, um, things like that. And um, by the kind of around that time, like I said, it hit that point around two years or, or so, I was trying to question, like, what am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Like, am I supposed to be a pastor? Am I supposed to be a missionary? Um, do I try to go into the film industry, like, like using and maybe just, you know, do that? Um, and so that, that question coincided with me trying to memorize Galatians, and it came to his um, testimony or the Apostle Paul's testimony in verse, I'll just start from 13. So he's talking to Galatians. He says, for you have heard about my former way of life in Judaism. I intensely persecuted God's church and tried to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many contemporaries among my people because I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But, and this is the part where it just, everything kind of shifted for me in terms of like my decision to become, go to seminary and be a pastor was, but when God, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me. Um, and so so all that, all kind of like was asking all or answering all this question up to that point was like, why, why was I saved? To what end is this? Um, and he's talking about why he was saved. Like he knew God had set him apart from the, his mother's womb for a specific purpose. And he said, mm-hmm. he said to reveal his son in me so that I could preach him among the Gentiles. Like that was it. I was like, so Paul was set aside by God from his mother and predestined all that stuff. So that, and he, he was persecuting church. He wants to destroy God's church. And then 
Um, Jesus appeared to him, blinded him on the Damascus road, came out, and now he's planting churches instead of destroying them. Um, and his, he knows that his sole purpose was that he would preach to the Gentiles, mm. uh, people who don't know God yet. Um, and for whatever re- reason, um, my whole heart just shifted when I heard that. Maybe it was just because of that question at the time that I was you know, struggling with, trying to figure out the answer to. Um, and then just the clear, straightforward answer from, from the mother's womb to the point he was at, he suddenly knew that, uh, he was meant to preach. And I was mm-hmm. like, huh. And for some reason that resonated really strongly with me. And, um, that's when I told my pastor, I was like, I think I, I think I want to preach, you know, and, um, and he affirmed that in me, I think, uh, affirmed that, uh, gifting or competency in me at, at that point and my you know few years of being a christian at that point though i was raised in the church but um but just i didn't become an actual follower of christ until after uh, right at the end of college but uh, but he affirmed that gift in me and um recommended that i go to the seminary um that's that's in fort worth texas southwestern baptist theological seminary so that's how i ended up seminary was just that now yeah yeah but we can yeah from there we can go from there <laughs> No, I was going to go into a whole other thing, but we can. Okay, that, okay, yeah. okay. I well, later. I mean, one, I did not know that. And that's amazing because I feel like uh, for me, um, that's so clear, yeah. right? Like that calling. And I've heard a lot of different stories, right? Like about how pastors feel called to be a pastor. Um, I have a question. Do you feel like... I think I asked this to the other pastor too that was on. I can't remember mm-hmm. now, but do you feel like there needs to be that calling? I'm so glad you asked that because this is maybe the one thing that I felt like I wanted to be clear on today's podcast was about was that I don't mm-hmm. like as and and I say that because and I feel kind of weird saying it because like the story I just told you, the testimony I just had like feels like that, mm-hmm. right? Like like there was a clear moment mm-hmm. or whatever the case is, but. <clears throat> but biblically speaking, mm-hmm. if you search the New Testament, you will never find that word associated with being a pastor, a calling. Now, I think we use it as a colloquialism, mm-hmm. like it is just the word we use for that. And I think we all know what it means or, or what we mean by it when we say I'm called to be a pastor. We mean it like in the sense that like, oh, I was destined mm-hmm. or something to do this, right? Mm-hmm. This is the thing that I'm purposed for and so on and so forth, right? Um, and, we, and we say that about... A lot of vocations, like you were clearly called to be a furniture designer or mm-hmm. make roller coasters at Disneyland. Like mm-hmm. that is what you were called to do. You're so good at it, right? Um, but in the Bible, like in the New Testament, you do not see that at all. The word the, the New Testament uses is an aspiration. Um, you could even say, if you want to make break it down a little more, just you just want to that you just want to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. You just have a desire. Now that desire could obviously comes from God, but um, but but the way we think of the word calling is a lot like Old Testament calling with prophets, like Moses seeing the burning bush, like God called him through the book to, to lead his people out of Israel, right? Or, or out of Egypt, right? And it's not the same because a prophet is different from a pastor. Mm. A king is different from a pastor. Like it's a totally different office. Uh, uh, an apostle, like Paul is an apostle. He was called from his mother. Like he used the word calling there. And that's the appropriate use of the word calling, biblically speaking, because the apostles don't exist. It's a specific, special role that they, God called these specific people to in specific, specific context and specific time in history. Um, but pastors, 
are not called in the same sense that prophets and apostles and are called. Mm. Um, we aspire. We want to be pastors. We're gonna try, you know. Um, and and that's that's kind of how I have to like I, I look at my thing was just like a, a desire was born in in my heart at that time, and um, and it continued enough for me to. And it grew and continued enough for me to continue finishing seminary and take on the role that I have today, you know? So, um, yeah, so calling wouldn't be the word I use. And I would, I would actually just warn against it on one level because there's, there's danger a lot of times that comes with that as people will abuse that. It's like, they'll, they'll, they'll do something very shady or questionable. It's like, but you know what? I'm called to be a pastor. You can't fire me. God wants me to do this. You know, like he, he, mm. he, he put me in this, but he anointed me, gave me all this gifting, whatever. The, and they could be a gifted speaker or um, charismatic leader or whatever the case is. And people will let things go because, oh, but because he's called to be a pastor. Right. Um, and the reality is like, that's not how the Bible mm. paints pursuing being a pastor at all. Um, it's an aspiration. Paul just, Paul tells Timothy in first Timothy three, like um, he says, like you aspire to be an elder good for you it's a good job it's a good thing to do and then he lists like here's what you need to be and do to qualify to be a pastor he just gives a job description almost um and and that's it like it's almost on one level it's almost like any other job um and and so yeah i would say the first thing if you're wanting to be a pastor or is is like well do you want to be you know like is that, is that the question if that's something you aspire to be and don't do the whole thing of saying like because i hear this all the time too um, I would never be a pastor, mm. you know, but, but God called me. So I had to, mm. it's like, then, then get out. Like, you don't have to, yeah. no, you don't. Yeah. Cause God didn't call, God didn't call you. Yes. Like, yes. You want it to be like, either admit that you wanted to be a pastor or admit uh, that you are here under some sort of false pretense. Maybe you shouldn't be in this position, you know, like that's kind of how I've landed in terms of that, that word and how, how we use it in ministry a lot, especially right, these right. days. So. Yeah. No, now, well, I, I mean, I'm sure that most people don't use the word calling in the way, like in a manel, like a like an evil, like dark way, like yeah, I described. Yeah. Like they don't mean it. So I understand when people say, "I feel like, oh, God called me to be a pastor." Like I get it. Um, but yeah, I just wonder if maybe our language needs to adjust a little bit within contemporary ministry to. No, yeah, I mean, use I, the word the Bible uses, right? So right, right, and I like I haven't given it much thought, right? Because like I just kind of go this far. And then I stop there. Um, but, but, you know, I, I appreciate everything that you just said, because for me, there is a lot of like, even just like revelation in what you just said and insight that I feel like can provide clarity for for not just even being a pastor. Like there's something to that. Right. It's like, what do you want? <laughs> yeah. You know, like exactly. If the want is not there, how will you do the rest of it? Like, exactly. and I mean, you guys being a pastor is no walk in the park. Okay. Like as yeah. n not just that anything and anything you do, right. It's not going to be easy if you want to be good at it. And so, um, I hope this relieves some pressure off anybody that's listening, whether it's past being a pastor or anything else. Right. Like, I really like that, Paul, like, what do you aspire? What do you want? <laughs> what do you yeah, want? Like, yeah. But yeah. we, I, I definitely feel that there is this, like, we kind of in our own brains and this thing that we've made up even sometimes, like, oh, I don't feel called, so I'm not going to do it. 
you know, or yeah. or like like you said, like oh, like I didn't want to, but then there was this conviction and I mean, like which conviction is real, right? Conviction is real, and um, it's because of our convictions that we it leads us to do things that that we want to do, hopefully. But mm-hmm. um, yes, I I completely hear what you're saying and I, I agree with it because it, it definitely it shouldn't be that hard right yeah yeah it's not like a it's not magic it's not because i think a, a lot of people think that and and i hope not only for those you know who are listening who desire to be a pastor but people who have pastors and they look at their pastors in a certain light because you think oh the glory of the lord is shining from their bearded face like that kind of like no, it's not like, mm. you know, the guy just worked and studied really hard to be where he's at because he loves the church. He loves Jesus. Yes, and yes. Um, he wants to explain the Bible to people and make it much clearer um, the work that Jesus has done on the cross. So like, good. That's, that's so good. like, it's very, I, I mean, I, I hope I didn't like, you know, like what is, what's the word uh, demystify anybody with that. But, but like, I just think that's the reality. It helps alleviate mm-hmm. a lot of pressure for me. Cause like, what if I lose my, call? I've heard that term lose the calling of a pastor. It's like, what, what do you mean by that? Like, you, do you mean disqualify yourself? Which that you can absolutely do. Like you, you screw up. You can disqualify yourself mm-hmm. from becoming, a, from being or becoming a pastor. Right. Um, but because you were never called, called to be a pastor, you can't, can't lose your calling you know like so so pressure's off guys like do you want to do it if you can do it go for it let's let's try and you know oh, that's good interesting i'm glad i asked it <laughs> <laughs> um me too because that, that was the biggest part i wanted to get across. yeah yeah it's good yeah. um yeah. okay so you go to seminary um and is it like everything you thought it was going to be no <laughs> So, so simple. So, yes, I love it. I love it. I'm just straightforward like that. Yeah. No, um, you know, when I look at my time at seminary, so my my path in seminary was a little weird too. So I I moved to Dallas. Um, I was there for a year or or Fort Worth um, at Southwestern Seminary. I started my seminary journey there. Um, But my dad, uh, my parents are missionaries with the International Missionary Board and and they were living in China. But my dad was doing a a missions degree at a different seminary, a sister seminary, a Southern Baptist seminary in in Louisville, Kentucky called Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And and he was paying my rent because I was 23 and immature and not having to hold a job and so on and so forth. Um, And so he was telling me, you know what? Hey, you like, uh, what is it? Like, I don't want to pay two rents. Like, cause I have to move. I, he had to come back to the States to finish his degree one semester. And he, he was paying my, he's like, I don't want to pay two rents, just transfer, you know, like it's the same degree, you know? So I was like, okay. And at the time, like Southern was, is, was at the time, probably the, the more prestigious of the two between the two seminars. So I was like, okay, you know, so I, I went that way and, um, you know, my, my dad graduated and I stayed another semester. And so I, I had another year, at a different seminary, a sister seminary. But during that time was like maybe the darkest year, maybe the darkest year of my life. Like um, wasn't able to. I'm sorry. So you moved to Kentucky? Me. Yeah. I lived in Kentucky for one year. <laughs> what? <laughs> Did you not know this? I guess you no. didn't know. Obviously. By your facial expression, I should know that you don't know this, but uh, yeah, I lived in Kentucky for Louisville, Kentucky for one year from January 20, I guess that was 20. 13 to 14 yeah oh my gosh okay (laughs) yeah so I was there for (laughs) for one year um that summer 
in between, I took an internship in New York at a church that my uh, my pastor friend had uh, started the ministry at. And so I did an internship in New York for like three months and came back and finished my uh, time at Southern. Uh, but again, it was it was like the darkest year of my life, probably. Mm. I can probably say that. Um, just really lonely, wasn't able to create good community. Um, I remember this moment. I just told this story today to somebody else, actually. But um, there was this, I was in a church history class. It was like an early church history class. Um, there was a sub, a substitute teacher at the time, because the church history teacher at the time was like super well-known. And so he was off doing something else. But um at the end of one class and this was like I was at this point I was kind of deep in it I was in this dark place and I was super lonely I didn't have any friends like all that stuff and this sub kind of just at the end of it like end of the class is like hey like uh, you know seminary can be actually a really hard time for some people like it'd be super lonely um it's hard to make community like he's hitting all these things in my heart right and he's like, and, you know, if this is you, is there anybody like that in this class right now? Like, I would want to take you out to lunch, you know, and, and, you know, and anybody else who wants to join, like, maybe we can just be around that brother and, and things like that. And I was silent. Like, I didn't say a word because I was, I was, I think I was just embarrassed to say, I was like, I have no friends, you know, and I was just in front of all these other dudes in my history class and things like that. But man, like, I never stopped thinking about that moment. Like, just because I was like in the pit of my loneliness and I just didn't take that opportunity of like to just be in the light just because I was a little too embarrassed about mm-hmm. it, honestly. Um, and I, it's maybe one of my biggest regrets. I, I do still have some regrets, maybe one of my biggest regrets. But at the same time, when I look at my life now, like it's like um, I wouldn't trade anything for what I have right now. But, uh, but yeah, I do look on that and I cringe because I'm like, man, like, it was really hard during that time. And I really could have used it as a friend. But um, it did lead me to where at the end of that year, I went back to Southwestern where I, I did have a community. I had made friends my first year at Southwestern. Um, and I just went back to it and, and I finished my degree there. Um, but yeah, seminary was an interesting experience. I, I did learn a lot. Um, I was around people that um, that I didn't necessarily agree with a lot. And that, so it was challenging in that mm-hmm. sense. I had to, seminary is a time where um, you start planting flags, you know, where of things you believe in and want to stick with as you enter the pastorate. I see. Um, and some stuff you, de- you have to deconstruct. Like you're like, do I, what do I believe about this? And maybe what I believed about it is no longer what I believe in now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully not the most important things like the gospel and Jesus and so on and so forth. But, you know, maybe about what you believe about, divorce and remarriage or something like that, you know, like second tier, maybe third tier issues. Um, yeah. And so that's kind of what seminary in a sense is, does, you know, like it, it just kind of helps you find your footing and what you're going to do and what are you going to take as you enter into the pastorate. Um, and that's essentially how, what it served for, uh, what it did for me. Um, I will say though, I probably did not use my time in seminary as well as I should have. So, oh, why is that? um, yeah, I, I think because like during that time, like um, I, I probably could have just studied harder. There were some classes I just didn't take seriously. Uh, some classes that des- didn't deserve to be taken, <laughs> I would argue, but <laughs> man, there were just, yeah, there were just some classes there. Like Southwestern, especially back then, it's, I think it's actually a whole lot different now, probably better off right now. But back then there were just some classes, there are some classes, some teachers there that were just like, yeah, like. I don't even, without being too, I don't want to be offensive or anything, but like, yeah, it just, it, it just like, I don't know if it was, if the irrelevant is the right word or 
if it was just unhelpful, like mm-hmm. I, I just never use the things that I learned, yeah, maybe yeah. may have learned at class or they, they or maybe the, te- the teachers there, a lot of them were like older. And so they're a little out of touch with what was happening with ministry these days, you know, I that see, kind of I stuff. Yeah. Um, and so what the stuff they were talking about was just like, I don't know how this kind of applies, you know, maybe it, it's, it's, all, it's my responsibility to figure out how it applies, <laughs> but, but it was one of those things. Like, yeah, it was just, I don't know. It was just one of those things. So, so, when I do, again, look, when I look at my time in Sunday, it was a time for planting flags on hills, you know, hills that I'm willing to die on, um, get rid of some things that I didn't, I, I didn't believe anymore, you know, loosen my grip on some things, tighten my grip on some other things. Um, and at the same time, I probably could have done more of that. Just And, and I mm. and I didn't just because I maybe wasted time watching too much basketball or video games <laughs> or something, you know, like a 20 something year old would at the time with that much freedom, you know, so, um, but yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, can you speak to this idea that some people might have, maybe even including me, um, that like mm-hmm. seminary kind of like, what is that? There, there's this thing people say, like seminary kind of messes people up. Like that, like, you know, that thought they yeah, knew things mm-hmm. and then they go in and then they actually come out like, do I really believe in God? Like, what is that about? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's, there's been books and articles about stuff like, like how to stay Christian in seminary, you know, things like that. Mm. Right. Um, And I totally understand, understand it. And a lot of it will depend on like where you go and you know, what like denominations could matter, like what, what theological camp you land in, like Calvinism or, you know, something like that, Mm -hmm, Armenian mm -hmm. stuff like that. Right. Like, um, and, and yeah, a lot of people, when they go through that, I think they can get jaded they can get um kind of burnt out Mm. um um because on one level you go from like a like especially if you're like a young christian and um, you're excited you're on fire for the lord all that stuff um and then you go into an academic setting which is what it is Mm -hmm. like there's no doubt about it like seminary is school Mm -hmm. it is not um where people like sit together and pray it's like you're (laughs) writing papers like, well, you pray at seminary. Don't. I, know, I know. I mean, that stuff is there, okay? And there are a lot of godly, good teachers and leaders and mentors that you can find in seminary, which I found some. I mean, you know, praise God for that. But, um, but it is school. Like, you have deadlines to meet. You can fail. Like, you can, you know, um, man, languages, biblical languages. Like, the motivation to learn a language that nobody will ever use outside of your circle, like, is really hard to, if you're not a <laughs> self-motivated person in the first right, place, you right, know? Right. Or, um, you know... It, so it can, it can, it can be a drain. Yeah. Uh, like it can be really hard to get through sometimes because it is like, at some point you kind of lose focus about what you were doing there in the first place. And not on, on, on top of that, like if you were like, I mean, I remember listening from the other podcast with the previous one, um, previous pastor who was on here, like, um, you know, there could be family issues where like your family doesn't want you to, they don't support you. So financially, you're trying to figure stuff out. Like um, there's so, uh, there's life, there's, you know, you have maybe a kid, like so many people are having kids, you know, at the same time, and you're trying to manage that. And um, on top of that, you're maybe you are doing ministry at the same time while yeah. you're at seminary and that's a drain as well. So you're like push and pull, like trying to be a faithful pastor and husband and father and student, you know, all at the same time. And so, yeah, it can be a, a really huge strain on some people and it can really sometimes, um, yeah, it could wreck, it could wreck your faith, which mm-hmm. is really unfortunate, you know, mm-hmm. um, people come out of it with trauma and, um, 
yeah, unfortunately, some people will come out of it with things that um, they didn't expect and, you know, things not going their way. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's not for everybody, you know, like it really isn't. Um, um, one thing I did think um, uh, your friend on the previous podcast about uh, being a pastor did say was that, uh, that I wholeheartedly 100% agree is that local churches produce pastors, not seminaries. Yeah. Like he said that, and it was a very good, 100% true statement is mm. that local churches produce pastors, not seminaries, mm. right? Seminaries, and, and I'm somebody who I think, and I've been, I've been back and forth on this, but I think at this point, I would say, yeah, you should go to seminary. It's not required. It's not biblically mandated that you have to get a theological education uh, before, but but you should, you should probably, if you're going to be a, tr- a pastor here, in, especially here in America, you should go to seminary. Mm. Um, like that's, uh, and it's not, again, like you don't have to, but like the education that you'll receive, like mainly you need a theological base. You need to learn biblical languages. You need to learn church history. Um, like those are the main things that you'll need to go. And obviously you'll need some practical ministry experience as well. And all those things like you can, you can get at seminary. That's what it's there for. Yeah. Like those yeah. three main things, languages, uh, theology, and, and history. Like that's the main things you'll need from seminary mostly. So um, yeah, like if you, if you are going to be a pastor, like I, I would always encourage anybody, if you're thinking about being a pastor to, to go to seminary and, and then deeply ingrain yourself in a local church that you can Concerned. Yeah. yeah if you can yeah whether as just a normal member and just being a good member or um or taking up some sort of ministry position yeah so how long is usually a seminarian track so the the typical degree is called the master of divinity i know mm-hmm. it sounds like sorcerer supreme like <laughs> It does. It does. But <laughs> a little bit, right? Or a Harry Potter degree, maybe. Or <laughs> or something, but, uh, but it's called uh, the master, uh, master of Divinity degree. Um, it can take, I've seen people do it as as fast as three years, which is feels way too fast, like mm. knowing what's there. Um, um, but I did it in four and a half years. And I think that's kind of normal. Four okay. and a half, four to four and a half years is pretty normal for that, for that degree. Um, yeah, again, but I've seen people do it way quicker and I just don't know how they do it. Like, I, I just can't imagine them retaining. I mean, even though, I, I, again, I think that's four and a half years is what your, is it Pastor James? Was that Yes, Pastor name? James, right. that's right. Pastor James. Pastor James, yeah, I don't want to keep calling him like that guy. <laughs> the guy, about. the other guy. <laughs> but Pastor James, yeah, <laughs> the other pastor. In the <laughs> uh, <laughs> pastor, <laughs> pastor James also, he said four and a half years too. I think that's pretty normal, okay. I would say. Okay, okay. Uh, and for that particular degree there are degrees that like say you don't need to take the languages for example like that's um and that'll cut down the time you know um you may it'll give you a theology and history and maybe some other things but where you don't have to do big languages and it's still at some form of master's degree that 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 you can use in ministry uh why wouldn't i want that though well for like i mean well i was actually gonna ask you this because i was listening to now that that podcast with Pastor James, was that about a year ago, a little over a year ago when you did yeah, that? Yeah, it was about remember? a year ago now. About a year ago, right? Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, because in that podcast, you had mentioned that you thought about going to seminary. Yeah. Do you Did did that ever happen or? Uh, I mean, no, it never happened. Okay. Uh, David and I still talk about it. Um, I think just, you know, our season of life with the kids and David's kids, bivocational yeah. too and just balancing um yeah i just the thought of it makes me want to throw up because (laughs) 
<laughs> like, because like, I, you know, I just want to put my best foot forward and everything, right? But David, David's like, oh, I mean, like, even if it takes us 10 years, like, we should just do it. And I'm like, yeah, like, I'm down, you know, like, um, but I just, I, uh, I don't, I know. I'm not making yeah. any moves towards that right now in my life. Sure. Um, sure. But uh, David and I obviously find it it very valuable. Um, I think if you had asked me five years ago, I would have been like, no, thank you. Or even earlier than that, um, just because there was no want. I didn't want to, you know, like I did not want to. It's good reason not to. And so <laughs> yeah. and like, I think even, you know, that for you, right? Like you were like, what should I do with my life? I also had a film degree, you know this. And like, I was I... like, what am I doing? <laughs> and... Um, I did not use my film degree, but I'd like to think yeah, I'm you, using you were, my communications degree produced, right now. But ice, yeah, yeah, that's what you were doing. You did the ice skating network. And yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. That, right? So I mean, producer, I did some yeah. TV stuff. You did. But... I, did I did literally nothing. Yeah. But, yeah, you, <laughs> but I, you know, no, I, too. I produced some youth videos for like oh, uh, yes. YouTube videos. I remember <laughs> this. Yes, like it was yesterday. I remember actually. So clear. Um, they were they were really good actually. Oh please. Uh, yeah. Um, but you know, like I think me too. I was like, oh, like just because you love Jesus, right, and mm -hmm. don't know what to do with your life, you should not go to seminary. <laughs> like is what I yeah. thought, and I still feel that way, honestly. Like I think that's a good way to feel. Yeah, yeah. and so um, I, as you know, I have taken on the children's pastor role at our church since then, and of course, like there is this weird I don't know what to call it it's like because I you know they call me in Korean they call me at our church right, right. which is not mm -hmm. a pastor it's just kind of like this minister I think it's the right minister yeah minister thank yeah. you a minister which mm -hmm. uh, which I am um and children's, you know, is a different animal than it is, you know, with the big, big kids and like, <laughs> the grown-ups. And, grown -ups. Um, you know, I find so much value in, like, foundational teaching, right? Whether it's in um, following Jesus or even, like, you know, previously I worked with kids when I was uh, coaching figure skating. And mm -hmm. I even in that, right, there was, like, this... Uh, passion and desire that i had for like if you know the basics if you lay down a good foundation um there's so it, when you begin to build on top of that obviously you're gonna have um it'll last longer you know like it'll it'll stand forever and so yeah. um i find a lot of that like that's where my passion comes from when i am teaching our students and now that david and i have children of our own even more so right that i want to pour mm -hmm. in um but yes do i find myself limited in uh, certain things that i feel like seminary could definitely provide me absolutely um no. so yeah i there's a desire uh but also like a fear of like not being able to like do it well. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, I get and it. Then, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then um, like and, and, and uh -huh. yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Keep going. Keep going. Oh no, I was just gonna say. And then like I know that it's hard. It's not easy. Like, it's not, yeah. and so like I don't like I don't want to do something hard right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
But um, if I'm honest, if I'm just being transparent. But um, yeah. But what were we gonna say? Yeah. Well, uh, the reason why I even asked at all in the first place was um, well, because you know, seminary is not. Um, no, I shouldn't say that. Uh, <laughs> like there are no, no. There, there are there are degrees for people, or maybe maybe not even master's degrees, but like they call it like I think they call it like certificates. Maybe I'm not even sure what they like a something like that. And it's just a way easier track takes way less time, less commitment, all those things, right? And it's um, maybe that's what you need more at this point. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need an MDiv player. Like I would say, like mm-hmm. looking at your situation, um, you, you don't need um, the same degree. You don't need to learn Greek and Hebrew so that first-year-olds can understand what it means to follow. Right, right. Like, like, right? They're like, this these Hebrew, This is a yod. This is how they, <laughs> no, you don't need to do stuff like that with, with your kids or other kids, right? Um, but um, having like foundational theological ideas, like a, a like a I don't know a systematic theology where you, they you can build their theology about who God is, about who Jesus is, and try to explain the Trinity to them and fail at it because everyone fails at it. Like like you can do that. Yeah. Like and seminary will help you parse those ideas out and then even maybe equip you with practical ways to do that with kids. You know, because yeah. there are there's a, like a master's degree for called uh, a master of arts for children's education. Mm. Like that's a lot of people who are in children's ministry go go that way. Um, and so, yeah, that's, I'm just saying there are degrees out there for every level of ministry, I guess is oh, what I'm trying to say. That's, and yeah, that's you, good to it's know. It's worth exploring. It's yeah, worth exploring. Definitely, yeah, definitely, definitely. Thanks for sharing that with me. And um, yeah. yeah, that's really good to know. You know, you don't, to just, there's comfort in knowing you don't have to get your master's in divinity. Although, you know, as Asian Americans, I'm sure if you're going to be a pastor, you might as well just go for it. We should be hanging up here somewhere, but I have my thunder, you know, flag thing instead. That's more valuable to me, I think. <laughs> than your MDiv. <laughs> yeah, than my my Master of Super Sorcerer Supreme. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so you get through seminary, not get through, but you oh. you know graduate. I made it. Um, and so you graduate with your Master's of Divinity. Um, and then and then what? What do you do? What what do you? <laughs> yeah, what do you, do you know so. I guess while I was in seminary, the last year I was in seminary, I served as a youth pastor at the church I'm serving at now, actually, mm. right now. But um, I just did it for one year. Um, and at the end of my time, or near the end of my time there, right before I was about to graduate, um, I was also about to get married. And a lot of things coming together all at once there. Um, but I, I just realized I kind of like needed, I think I needed more like practical training uh, is what I felt like uh, after pastoring for that one year with the youth kids. Um, and so I kind of started looking into internships and, and found a church in California, in Brea, California, called Living Hope Community Church, um, and discovered um, kind of a lot of things kind of lining up there. Like uh, my mentor uh, at, at Southwestern at my seminary, he like was discipled by the senior pastor there at that church. And my aunt knew my aunt and my, or my, yeah, my aunt knew him uh, for the senior pastor growing up in California. He apparently got his degree at D- Dallas Theological Seminary, which is around here too. Uh, and so there was a lot of connection there. And so, you know, I, I applied for the internship and I ended up getting him. So my wife and I, we got married in July and moved to California, like almost right after. Uh-huh. Um, and so we lived in California for one year and did an internship there. Um, and it's kind of like a, it's way, it was way bigger than my church. It's like a middle, mid-large size church in California. It's an Asian American church. Um, and I learned a lot there. I think biggest thing I learned is um, my wife is my greatest asset in ministry. <laughs> oh, lo- Say it <laughs> again, even- Paul. Say it again. <laughs> my wife. No. Uh, but 
it 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 did reveal it because like I just realized like I real one of the biggest things I probably took away from that is like I could I don't think I could pastor a church that big. I'm not equipped in that way. Um, I look at Pastor Steve Chang over there, and um, man, he was so like it was a privilege to like learn under him for mm-hmm. the short time I was there. Um, but I just realized more and more. I was like, yeah, I'm not that guy. I'm not Steve Chang. Like he has so like a gift of administration and leadership and these things. And he's so good at finding people's giftings and mm-hmm. utilizing them and leveraging them for, you oh, know, wow. and things like, and putting people in the place. Like he was so good at that. And I'm like, and, and, and that's how you get to a church that size mm-hmm. almost, you know, I mean, it wasn't a mega church by any means, but it was like more than I think I could have ever done, you know? Um, and he obviously had a great team of leaders and things like that. Um, and I just realized coming out of there was just like, yeah, I don't think I could do this. Yeah. I not, not, not like this. I, I can't do this. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I need something more scalable, down, you know? Um, and th- there was still a lot of things I picked up on that were, that were really helpful and useful during that time in ministry. But, um, but yeah, what I, and, and yeah, but biggest thing was just like, Anna is super good with people. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm so glad she's around <laughs> for yeah, me because yeah. I, I realized I'm not like super good with people. Like <laughs> not, not at first, I think, I think at first, like I'm a, I'm an acquired taste. I think, <laughs> like, <laughs> I think okay, once you get okay. used to me, like, you know, like, I think the only person I've like forced my way into their life is Sarah Paik, you know, like, like just because she was around all the time when I was living in Atlanta. Uh, but, Sarah Paik, but also everyone, on the podcast, data analysis. <laughs> go. Check that episode. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but the rest, but most other people, it's just kind of like I meet through other people and we're in a group setting and they think I'm funny and I manage to keep making them laugh. And that's just kind of how things happen. You know? But <laughs> But but for the most part, I'm not. I'm really bad at initiating conversation and getting. I get awkward and uncomfortable. Like I'm all that. But um, and what's so funny is Anna feels the same way, but her results are vastly different in conversations mm-hmm. with strangers. Um, like for example, like a perfect example is last weekend I went to this alumni event for Baylor at Baylor because Baylor's in the was in the was in the uh, uh, March Madness bracket. Like they, they just got knocked out by North Carolina, unfortunately. But um, there was, they, they set up this thing at a, like a big food hall area where they had a big screen, they showed the Baylor game. Um, and so a bunch of my old friends were there from college, which I hadn't spoken to in a really, like maybe longer than, like 12 years longer than I <laughs> than to talk to you or seen you. But, uh, but I was there and, and I was, while we were driving there, Anna was feeling really awkward. She was like, I'm so nervous to meet your old friends. Like, I'm, I'm going to feel really uncomfortable and awkward and blah, blah, blah. And so on. So, and I remember I was driving and I was like annoyed at her. I was like, Anna, no, like, stop. I'm so jealous of you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you have this ability where you walk, people walk away from a conversation feeling really like well heard and known and cared for. <laughs> like, you know, like that kind of thing. That's yeah. fun. I mean, I'm going to let you finish your story, but I just want to yeah. affirm this about Anna because I've only <laughs> met her once in person and it was impressionable because you weren't even like you guys were just dating you came both of you came to my wed our wedding i said mm-hmm. sorry i almost said my wedding again honey i'm sorry but <laughs> i always say my wedding <laughs> um but um and i know this warmth that you're talking about because i only met her once and i felt like wow like She's really great. 
<laughs> but anyways, okay, continue. You're Everyone on, says you're, that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I'm and, and you know, I'm telling her this as we're driving to the event, and then you know, I meet some old friends, and you know, everyone's like hanging out and talking, and she's already talking with people and things like that. And um, at the end of the event, you know, we're walking. Some of us are walking out together, um, and this one girl that I knew from my freshman year there, she like comes up to me, she's like, she's like, Anna is so great. Like she, she was just like, I don't know if she was just being nice, but they were talking for a while. Like uh-huh. I had seen them talking for a while and stuff like that. And she just comes, she's like, wow, Anna is so, so great. And I'm like, and I looked at Anna, I was like, I told you, like, this is me. Like, <laughs> do this. like I'm, I'm with friends that I've known, like, you know, 10, 12 years ago. And she probably knows them better than right. I do right now, just because how like people just like spill their deepest, oh, darkest yes, like, yes. secrets to them. You know, it's, she, she's that person. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and even half jokingly, and I, and I think I didn't really, really lo- realize this at the time was when I was interning in California, right after we got married, um, my, the mentor pastor, the senior pastor, C. Chang, he, he like jokingly introduced me and my wife to like our young, the young adult group there. And he kind of jokingly, but I think he meant it. And he probably sensed it before I even realized it. He, he said like, hey, this is Paul. And the best thing about Paul is Anna. <laughs> like <he's- laughs> like to this group and I was like oh thanks brother Z you know like uh, you know. but then I realized like over years now I was like how did he see that from so far away like I didn't even know that you know like that she probably is the best thing about me you know like um to to especially in terms of ministry and meeting people and having people like like just like feeling comfortable and things like even when she feels super awkward and uncomfortable like because she feels that way but I'm like no like you shouldn't you don't have to feel that way like just go do your magic you know yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah. make people come to our church you know yeah like that. um yeah so so I, I don't remember what the question was I'm oh um you did an internship well, is what you you were talking about because I asked you what you did after but you realized during it, this internship one of your biggest assets in ministry was your wife was my <laughs> wife there you go yeah um and, but I love um, that wait by the way didn't you guys meet in seminary yeah, we met in seminary. So Anna has an MDiv as well. Um, she also just finished her uh, a, a family. Um, was it a married? No, sorry, a, a biblical counseling degree at, at Dallas Theological Center. She just finished back in January. Oh wow! So, um, yeah, so she's she studied counseling, um, and so she is actually in the process of trying to get my children to grow up a little faster so she could take her licensing degree. You know? I see. I see. Uh, yeah. So she's kind of in that in-between phase right now so she can get licensed and start start an internship and, and you know, start doing counseling and stuff. But, oh, wow. um, but yeah, yeah, that's kind of where... So, so yeah, I finished that. And then, and then after California, we moved back to Dallas. Um, and so that's where she started her degree after graduating with her MDiv at Southwestern. And then... Um, and, and then we started attending my old church that I was youth pastoring at. Mm-hmm. And the April of the following year, we came back. So I guess that was April 2018 is when I kind of officially took on like a, a position at, as as one of the EM pastors. And yeah, that's I've been there since, since April, about around April 2018 in the position. Oh, wow. So that's been like 2018, mm-hmm. 19. So four years. Almost almost four years. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Um, so you're, you're uh, okay, my question, next question is, so you said the uh, internship church that you were at was an Asian American church? Asian American church, okay, yeah. So, so everyone's English speaking, no, no KM, nothing like that. They were most, mostly Korean American, but pretty diverse, honestly, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have you always wanted to serve at a Korean immigrant church? 
you know, I don't know if that's ever a every um, choice I consciously made. Uh-huh. Um, I've always found myself in that. Sort of, now, in seminary, I attended, I was a member of, a, of, uh, of like a, I don't like calling it an American church because all churches in America are American, technically. Right? But, uh, but, you know, like an American church. Okay. Um, and yeah, and it was, um, it was called the Paradox Church. It was downtown Fort Worth. It was really great. They had like just church planted and they were, I think they were in their like fourth or fifth year when I, when I had joined. Um, and yeah, I just kind of grew in my faith a lot there. Like it was really helpful to be there and stuff like that. But, um, but that was the outside of that. Um, yeah, I've always been in a Korean American slash Asian American setting. Um, I think even being at that church made me realize like how much more comfortable I am at in an Asian American slash Korean American setting mm-hmm. than I was in, um, like an American setting, even though I was there for like, I forgot how long I was there, but, um, but yeah, and even though it was a great experience there, and I made a lot of, like some of those people I met at that church, they were like groomsmen in my wedding, you know, like, like I made some really good friendships there. Um, and so, but, but in terms of doing ministry, it was so different. It's so different. Um, I'm much more weirdly, and I didn't, I didn't think I would be that way, but I'm weirdly more comfortable, I think, in a Korean American slash Asian American setting, I feel like, but I don't know. Yeah, um, I, so again, I, I don't know if it was a conscious decision okay. I made to like, yeah weird it's weird because you don't speak that much korean <laughs> oh thank you Blair. no wait i'm no why was why is it weird why is it i'm asking i'm asking that was a, no, there was a just, question mark I, I, at the end of that <laughs> statement <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what you were asking but um what was there no never mind sorry uh, okay i see what you're saying and it's true yes uh my korean is very poor um but yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know, but like, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just my upbringing, like going to like going to Korean churches my whole life, just just what I've known, just my whole life. And so mm-hmm, maybe it's mm-hmm. just a comfort thing. Um, even though, like, I do have a lot of, I don't know, like, I don't know if criticisms though is right there. A lot of like critique, I feel like, <laughs> about how KMEM relationships and all that kind of stuff work. Um, but but yeah, I just find myself more comfortable there than been anywhere else i guess but but you know i'll have to say my church right is i would almost say i shouldn't say unique but it's rare um in terms of a kmm relationship in the sense that the i'm very independent my 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 the senior pastor at my church he is very hands off like the one thing like we functionally we functionally like our function as our own church almost mm-hmm. um we have our own membership we have our own membership covenant we have our own deacons like we just installed three deacons last like a few weeks ago like um and the only thing we really share is a budget like they pay me the km mm-hmm. pays me like mm-hmm. um essentially that's kind of how it's worked you know um and on one level and i think that's a really unique situation because when i look at some of my other pastor friends who are in an e- kmem setting um there there's a lot of oversight mm-hmm. over their ministry from the km side um and yeah and i have very little if anything at all um i don't know if that's a trust thing i don't know if that's an inconvenience thing i don't know what exactly it is that makes it work but it works and i actually really appreciate it and weirdly 
being in that situation like because like i imagine that a lot of people who are in km em settings right now like are on the em side and their km has some oversight is that they're asked the em is asked to do a bunch of stuff from the km side like maybe some extra thing like if there's a special joint service they're asked to like do a play or something like that or something like that right um but and and i hate that like i really <laughs> like even when i was doing youth ministry like at the same church like they asked us to pr- do something and i'm like i don't choreograph dances i don't <laughs> like i'm not a praise dance guy like i you know i was a film major like i'm behind the camera not in front of it kind of guy like uh but it did give me the idea like maybe i could record a movie and that's what we did with my kids was like i wrote an entire script and it shot a 10 minute movie with my youth kids and we presented it at a Christmas, wow. it was like a Christmas play. We did it two years. I can't believe we did it. It was the most stressful time of my life, but I have two movies on YouTube somewhere wandering around. Okay, I gotta check those <laughs> like, out. With, I'll send to those to you. Them. Like those were ridiculous, but it's it was it was fun. When I look back on it, like when, at the time it was stressful. I hated it. Yes. I had my wife and, and and the children's pastor at the time to like translate, do subtitles, Korean subtitles for because everything was in English. I didn't know it. And, and, uh, and it was so stressful and the kid trying to get all the kids together, trying to get all the kids involved because the parents were complaining and all that kind of stuff like, um, and, but when I look at it now, it's just good memories. It was like, oh, wow, this is so funny. Like, dude, it was good times, but, uh, but man, so all that to say the EM is a lot of times EMs are asked to do things like that. And like, I, it's stressful and I hate it. It gets in the way of other things like preaching and teaching and, you know, one-on-one, like it just takes up that time instead and um but being in the situation i'm in now where my pastor my senior pastor is really hands off um it weirdly makes me want to like help them and do stuff with them more we, i don't know what it is like i don't know if it's like you know like the whole like you know young second gen guilt that we feel towards our parents you know kind yeah, of thing yeah. that makes me want to like you know like that you grow up and you realize oh actually they cared a lot for us they just didn't know how to do it you know like they just try <laughs> to figure it out because they're what do you what do you expect from people who live in america who don't know how to speak english like trying to raise their mm. kids you know like um that kind of thing so um because i've grown in that empathy i, I like now want to rub shoulders with them more as opposed to i think when i was forced to be with them i didn't want to be with them you know and maybe that's a second gen mentality too i don't know mm. but all that to say yeah it weirdly worked out that way where where it works out that where I'm like I'm the one reaching out hey do you want to do a joint service for Easter Easter service you know something like that like I'm the one initiating those conversations as opposed to the other way around so that's yeah, very weird I feel like a very rare situation I'm in you know and I and I love it though yeah. no yeah I think that's wonderful I think um it is very rare and you and I are maybe two of the rare ones because um the church that I um, currently attend and <laughs> serve at. Um, also, we get a lot of autonomy, and um, you know our head pastor, and he you know he's always mm-hmm. been for us, and so um, yeah. And I I I feel bad like for my other friends that are in ministry right now <laughs> <laughs> that they have a really hard time sometimes, and it's not to say anything bad about um, our first gen KM counterparts. Um, I no. think it's just uh, just how m- immigrant churches have built the system in some ways. I'm about to get on my soapbox, but it's we'll just stop here. Uh, <laughs> but, you don't have to. Let's go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but yeah, all that to say, like, I think that 
what you said is true too, right? Like it's like when we're given the space, right? And the trust, I don't think it's like they're lazy, Paul. Like I think they trust you guys. Yeah, um, I hope so. Yeah, I hope that's the case. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, and I, I, when that happens, you know, there is this, there's no longer like this forced relationship, right? It's like an actual relationship. And so, yeah, yeah so it's good. That's great. I think that's really awesome. And, I mean, how, you know, how else can one thrive in their, what they want to do? I was going to say calling, but (laughs) (laughs) what they want to do. (laughs) Um, See, I'm already influencing people. Yes, yes. I'm totally influenced right now and I'm going to continue to be that way Um, and think of you every single time. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Um, But yeah, yeah, that's really good. Um, You know, I... um, probably could talk to you all night about ministry and um, being a pastor Um, but for the sake of time you know I'm curious like what is it like what does an EM or you mentioned actually before we start recording you are a part-time EM pastor Um, for those of you that don't know um, just a quick rundown uh, Korean immigrant churches especially like the ones uh, Paul and I attend um, you correct me if I'm wrong okay like I'm just trying to summarize this quickly um Mm -hmm. so there's a it's a korean immigrant church it's usually made up of two different ministries what we refer to as cam which is korean ministry which means these people in this ministry their first language is the korean language and the second ministry um is called em which is an english ministry (laughs) and there's Mm -hmm. an umbrella of the km um and so uh like Paul mentioned before, the main thing is finances, um, to be honest. Um, you know, there is some expectation to do things together. Usually KM because I think, honestly, because of our culture too, right? Like there is this uh, hierarchy of authority, um, that's in place at t- depending on where you go to church, okay? Depending on where you go to church. Uh, it's different everywhere. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. And uh, so sometimes there is this expectation from the younger generation to, uh, what, are, what am I trying to say? Do the yeah, things that like the a... older generation asks us to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it is like a parent-child almost yes, relationship. And, yes. and in some cases, literally a parent-child. Like it'll be like Cam's children are going to are attending the em and they just kind of grow up there because they're they're learning english they're going to school and, and learning everything in english their friends are english speaking so on and so forth they kind of forget their korean heritage a little bit it's kind of a mixed bag there whole identity crisis that happens around the <laughs> teens and 20s and then and then you call jaded and you hate the korean church and then now you empathize because you realize they, <laughs> exactly. oh, they, worked, they went closing at that you know they oh went my gosh, really oh my gosh time, that's you know? perfect that's perfect and i mean <laughs> even i still find myself like referring to them as the adults like the adults yes <laughs> like, i've been trying to kill that in my members all my members still do that. yeah the adult service it's like you are 27 <laughs> years old you cannot call them the adults like, if you're not the an adult EM then what are you adults. doing <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> no i totally yeah i feel like yeah the adults yeah. just finished <laughs> but anyways okay so i, I was exp- but, but the main thing right is like we share our finances and usually km pays the staff of the em <laughs> yeah typically is what that's a that's very typical yeah yes yeah. yes i mean it's mm-hmm. i can't again yeah typically um obviously i don't know what happens at every korean immigrant church but um what was I saying? What were we going to talk about, though? What I was going somewhere with this. 
Yeah, you were, and I got lost. Oh, oh, oh. So what does a typical day for you look like? You're telling me you are part-time as an EM pastor. Um, So what does your life in day-to-day look like then? Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, you you mentioned the word earlier describing your husband. Um, I'm a bivocational pastor. So what that means is I have two vocations, uh, one as a pastor, part-time in my case, um, and he brought that and she brought up the finance is because um, they typically tip in a typical KMEM setting full time usually isn't given to the EM person. Um, uh, it's either because they feel like it's better spent on a, another minister on the KM side or maybe a children's minister or something else. Um, uh, but uh, or they just don't have a big enough budget for it. And that's the case in, at my church is that we're a smaller church um, and there's just not enough for more than one full time pastor, you know, um, and um, and I've made my peace with that for on one level because um, Paul talks about tent making. And that's kind of where the idea of bivocational ministry kind of sprouted up in a biblical way is that Paul, like when he was ministering to churches, he apparently made tents for a living um, so that he wouldn't be a burden on those church members. Like he didn't want them to support him financially. And so he supported himself so that um, that would not get in the way of their life as he ministers to them. Um, And that's kind of the same mentality and approach that I've taken with my church is that Mm. while I would love it, if I could be a full-time pastor, um, I understand our situation and I don't want to burden them, you know, with uh, be a burden financially for them, for them to just try and make it by, you know, while we have so many other costs like building costs and Mm. so on and so forth. Right. So, and paying other staff that we need. Um, and so, so because of that, I have to take another job in order to take care of my family. I'm married. I have two children. Um, and so I actually work at a company called Guidestone Financial Resources, which is a, uh, like a retirement company for Southern Baptist pastors and other people in ministry. Um, any, honestly, anybody can open a thing there. I think they just have to like sign a statement of faith or something like that. But, um, but I just work in a call center. Like it's just, it's customer service. They, forgot their password and they have to call me and I have to like let them log in like help them. and they're like 60 80 they're like 80 year old people like right, 80 year old right. ladies calling they're like, like I've never used my computer before help me you know, like that kind of stuff and it takes like 45 minutes to change a password like oh, some of those calls can be really <laughs> but the bills get paid I have benefits and insurance and time on all those things like it's a it's a great job um, that I can clock out I don't have to worry about mm. right after I clock out I can focus on my family or do ministry things and so on and so forth and so it, it pays the bills and we're I'm super grateful for for that for that job you know um, even though some people might look at it as something like what are you doing with your life what is your degree it's like well that's not my main job yeah, like yeah. my my main job is to be a pastor. That's, that's, how, and this is really just to support that mm. more than anything else. So I'm okay with it not being, I'm not passionate to help people log into their, you know, to their retirement accounts and tell what their account balance is. Like, that's not my yeah. joy. And, you know, the, what drives me, gets me up every morning, you know, it's, it's, it's the pastoring part. And this helps me to do that um, free, uh, as free as possible without burdening my, my church. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of how, why I'm in this, in this situation I'm in. I, I, this isn't ideal by any means. I mean, I would encourage um, any, you know, if you're, if you're a member of a local church and there's a way for you to be able to support your pastor financially, then you, you should. Like, I think the Bible actually is pretty clear that like members, if you're able to free your pastor up from having to get another job, like then you should take, you should help them to do that in whatever way that that might look like, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, for the season of life that I'm in, I'm okay with this and, and, and going to continue to do this for the time being and, you know, God willing, you know, some, uh, you know, he might provide something more for our church that I can continue to, um, 
or that I can be a full-time pastor there. But for the time being, this is, this is good. And I'm, I'm grateful. So. No, yeah, that's, I think that's really great. Um, but when do you have time to like prepare sermon and stuff? Yeah. (laughs) So, so no, no, I guess your original question is what is my day-to-day kind of Uh work like? So, um, I have a 980 schedule. I I was, so that, what that means is I work nine hours a day and then every other Friday I get off. Oh, um, yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's kind of a, I want to say it's sort of a new thing. Like a lot of companies have taken up and realized, oh, they don't have to do like five days of work. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So instead of doing like a, eight hour every day, Monday through Friday, they just kind of give an hour extra on four days and then like adjust it on the whatever other day so that they have that day off. So I'm fortunate to have gotten that schedule. And um, and so what I end up doing is I, I work in the day, um, I, I clock in at 7.30 or yeah, 7.30, finish at 5.15 every day. Um, usually Mondays and Tuesdays, I'm spending, I'm using that evening to spend time with my family. Uh, usually, this is again, typical. Um, now, I'm also on like a fusion schedule in terms of like going into the office or working from home. So okay, I can work okay. from home. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and so my schedule days to be at home are Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesdays and Thursdays, I can, um, I go into the office and work from there. Uh, and then Fridays, everyone's required to work from home. So, um, so Mondays and Tuesdays, I'm, I'm there, but Wednesdays, um, I go into the office and the office is actually closer to, is only like 20 minutes away from my church. Mm-hmm. And so what I end up doing is on Wednesdays, we actually also have prayer meetings at 7 p.m. Um, and so I'll go from work, I'll clock out at work, go to church, get ready for that, do prayer meeting and then come home. Or or actually my wife will actually let me stay at church so I can work on my sermon. Okay. Um, and so I spend a few hours and I get home pretty late, you know, because I'm trying to get as much as I can done. Um, and then Thursday, go to work. And I'll go back to church again and finish the sermon by Thursday night, or at least as much as I can um, before I might try to find an hour or two during Friday or Saturday mm-hmm. to, to, to knock it out. Um, yeah. And so that's kind of what, and so I think I usually end up spending between eight to 10 hours preparing for sermons uh, during wow. the week, usually on the Wednesday, Thursday, and a little bit on Friday, Saturday. Um, um, that's usually how that ends up. Um, you know, I'm, I prepare a devotional for, you know, Wednesday, the, the prayer meetings. Um, now I'll, I'll go ahead and say um, the the pandemic really changed how we, it really impacted how we do ministry with our EM right now. Um, so it changed a lot. Like mm-hmm. we went from what was, I guess, pretty typical, which is, I don't know, like, uh, I wish I could show the whole order of service, but it's like, like we would do like five songs, three in front, two in back, you know, like a bunch of prayers in between, 45 minute sermon, all that, like just, I would say that's pretty typical um but now it's we're like kind of really stripped down and bare bones right now mm. um and, and we have been since the pandemic started essentially um part of it because we were online uh, part of it is when we started gathering again we didn't want to be in the room together too long because mm-hmm. we couldn't properly social distance and even though we're all wearing masks all those kinds of things and it's just kind of been that way and i realized at this point um so we're again I, my group is really small so we have I believe 11 members on, on roll. Mm-hmm. We have about 14 to 15 people come out every week. Mm-hmm. So it's again, super small group. Um, and, um, and, and so, so like uh, we're kind of, I'm limited on resources. So I, I lead worship too. Like I, I essentially do the whole whole service. <laughs> I know it's kind of tough. It's tough. Take it must be so difficult. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, no. But but for the time being, like, but again, this is, this is pastoring. Yeah. Like that's like, you have to understand in, in my situation, yeah. if you're at a smaller church, like you kind of have to be good at everything. Mm. 
if you're in a situation like Pastor James's, you're in a mega church, you have plenty of resources, other uh, plenty of people serving and stepping up in those capacities. Like, what a blessing and a gift, and they should not take that for granted. Because for me, I, it's like I'm, I'm kind of doing most of the work in terms yeah, of at least yeah. on a Sunday service. Anyway, mm-hmm. I'm fortunate enough where I have members who are super supportive, and like there was one week like I came in and the whole place had been cleaned up. Like, mm-hmm. and it just two or three guys came out and just cleaned the place up for us. Like, I was like. And they didn't tell me, you know, I was just super like, you know, from, yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. super, like, I was like really blessed by that, you know? Um, but yeah, like a lot of that falls on me. A lot of those, those smaller details end up falling on me. Um, I have to prepare the Bible studies. Like we decided when we stopped small group, I never started small groups up again um, just because I can't do it. Like I just don't have the time yeah. anymore, yeah. you know? Um, maybe if I did have kids, I'd be really more, but at this point it's like, I don't see my kids on Wednesdays and Thursdays because I'm at church or work all day. Yeah. Right. They go to, they, I wake up before them and leave to the office and come back when they're asleep. So I don't see them on Wednesdays and Thursdays, or except if they come to prayer meeting. Um, but yeah, like I just, so that's it. So I'm like Wednesday and Thursday, I don't see them. And then Friday, I'm like, Oh my God, I have to go to work. You know? yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I get to hug them in the morning and I go and yeah. go into my office to answer old ladies calls. So, <laughs> um, but, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's just kind of, life of a bivocational minister i suppose yeah. you know it's it's tough. like at a small church too in my in my particular context it's we're just doing a lot of the a lot of the work and again i, I feel stretched pretty thin a lot a lot of times um, trying to maintain all my responsibilities and stuff but at the same time i think this is just the season i'm in i'm i've just grown a lot in in the midst of all this and um yeah, and, and much more grateful when I have time for my kids, my wife, and uh, the short times we do have together, the quality time we do have together, and um, and friends are super supportive, family super supportive. So I have a lot of blessings in the midst of what feels like a very tight and busy life. I feel yeah. like, but um, but yeah, I hope this doesn't discourage anybody from pursuing ministry. Like, but but yeah, just also at the same time, you should know what you're getting yourself into. Like, just because you go through seminary doesn't mean that you gotta. You're gonna be David Platt or you know Louis Giglio, John Piper, or somebody like who just you think has it made, you know, mm-hmm. like and yeah, you you but yeah. you may not even know the whole story with, even with them. So for sure, um, for sure. But yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. I mean, okay. By the way, I had no, you know, like I, you're amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> I, you know, and I, I. I say this like hesitantly, but like, I think you should know, like, man, like I, and I know your response is going to be like, because I I do it for Jesus. And I know that my, that's where your hope is. And, but truly Paul, like, I'm so proud of you. (laughs) Like, like, I know it sounds crazy. I know it sounds so weird, but like, it's really uh, such a gift and a blessing for me to hear, you know, you you being exhausted for the lord um and i am excited you know for the blessings that will come with with your faithfulness you know and so um but i do i have to ask because mm, unfortunately right like the the commonality a lot of times in I want to, I mean, I can't speak to the American or the American church, <laughs> quote unquote. Yes. Um, yeah. But, you know, as far as the Korean church goes, like there is this term that is used quite often, right? And it's burnt out. Like, yeah. 
And so, how does one that does everything,、uh, do you feel burnt out or do you grit through it? What, like, how, or do you believe in this term? Or what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I hear that term a lot. I do want to avoid it. I, I don't feel burnt out. Praise the Lord.、Um, <laughs> yeah, I, and, but you know, now that I think about it, like I've never thought about that question just in terms of myself.、Mm. But I don't know why either, like、mm-hmm. why I don't feel burnt out. Like I feel like I feel a lot of people in my situation would maybe at this point, four or、yeah. five years in, would maybe feel burnt out a bit.、Um, maybe I'm not doing enough. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, maybe I should be burning out. (laughs) No, 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 no burnouts, please. We can't have any burnouts. Right. No, um, but no, but I know what people like go through. Like, man, like I just I hear, um, yeah, unfortunately, that does get thrown around a lot within KMEM settings, and which is really unfortunate. Um, and usually that is because there is some pressure uh, from the other side, um. To maintain some sort of status quo, there, I think, you know,、um, whether it be number of members or、um, like number of baptisms or like are they doing enough? Are you reading enough? Are you like all these things that you're supposed to meet? And,、um, and you know, I believe KM, like, I, I think Korean ministry, like, like is so different in the way they, especially how they train pastors.、Mm-hmm. Um, like, there is a lot of, Like, I remember what, when I was at, in Atlanta, I actually specifically remember seeing this and it kind of just stuck with me. So, when I was at, at are you, you're still at Han Vision, right? I am. I was just、I'm、trying to,、okay. like, you know, make try it not, not to.、So、I'm、obvious. sorry. You can edit that. I'm so sorry. You can edit that out. No,、um, no, it's okay. It's fine. It's, David, I'm sorry. Full transparency on the When I Grow Up <laughs> podcast, okay? <laughs> yeah, that's what, how we do things here. Um, but um, so, when I was there, Uh, interning there.、Um, like, I remember there was like a guest speaker for the Korean side at one point, and we had to like do childcare. So I don't remember what it was, but I remember the guest speaker had this guy following him around, like the guest speaker did. It was another Korean dude. Okay. He was in a suit.、Um, and I, this might have been before you guys even had come,、uh-huh, I'm、uh-huh. not sure. But,、um, but I just remember he was following around with this notepad. And like just writing stuff down, like just literally <laughs> following them around like this. Like it was like one, it was like, what, who is that? Like I realized it was like his assistant or something like, or the, a, a, an associate pastor、um, who was tr- learning or training, you know?、Um, and I remember at one point, like I remember seeing the, the main speaker guy get like a little frustrated with him about something. I don't know, I, it was all in Korean. I wouldn't know what, it was, what he was saying. But, <laughs> but I remember just seeing that was <laughs> frustration.、Um, and I'm thinking, like, is that how that works? You know, is that how? Pastors get trained. And I think that was my impression for a long time.、Mm. And I think even I heard from、um, somebody else at, at that church、um, that people are more like, they, they look at, they look at、um, training up pastors, younger pastors, as like almost like military training. Like、mm. you're supposed to go through suffering and it's supposed to be causing it and it's supposed to be hard and difficult. Um, you're going to neglect your family. Like, you're never going to see them again. <laughs> this kind of like almost mentality. Like, you have to give everything up. And they take that as part of doing ministry training to be a pastor.、Um, and unfortunately, I've seen the constant, like, what, like, I've seen the almost, I suppose, the end of that, what that results in 
the children's pastor that I used to work with when I was at the church I'm at now, and he ended up taking another position in California. But I met, when I was in California, I met up with him and he told me that like his daughters, he has two daughters. Um, his oldest daughter had come back from school and the day the, they, had, they were supposed to like draw something um, and oh, they were supposed to draw their family. And so apparently she had come back with a drawing of just her mom and her sister and her and her dad was not in the picture. And it was just and, and he was saying it's just because like because I'm just not home. You know, because I'm at church all day, every day, you oh know, like God. that kind of stuff. And so, so seeing that, I'm like, is that it? Like, is that really? And, and, and unfortunately, I, I've seen that a lot. Mm. Like so many um, pastors in training under like Korean senior pastors. Um, unfortunately, like they sacrifice a lot of time at home to be at church, to do whatever they need to do, whatever it is that they're doing, mm. um, which is really, really unfortunate. And I don't know that's, I don't know that that's healthy or good. You know, yeah. I wonder if, I don't know what it's going to take to change something like that, but it's yeah. kind of, I don't know if that's still ingrained in the culture. Like, like that was back then. I, right. I just don't know, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, I just don't think that's healthy. I don't think it's biblical, yeah. you know, like, yeah. like, are you really caring and discipling for your family if you're at church all the time and your kids don't even know you, you know, like at what point are we saying, where, where, where's the line there where we're saying this is getting to the point of like sinfulness, you know? Um, and that's what's really tough when I see that. Um, yeah. Now, I'm sure there are churches who are like Korean churches and Korean ministries much healthier who care more about things like that. But just what I've seen so far, it's it's tough. Yeah, yeah it's really tough to 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 see that and think that like that's how things work. And, I, and you know, God forbid that's the only way that all Korean churches or ministries work. But um, yeah, I just hope that this idea of like suffering and causing as much as um, – that is in the Bible about stuff that Christians are going to suffer, but it doesn't have to be like self-inflicted. I don't know. You know, yeah. I, don't, I don't know why that has to be the case though, you know? So, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I think you're right. That term, the term burnout comes from this, maybe a culture that's already ingrained that we don't even realize exists. And then there's an expectation, you know, as someone that's part of the Korean culture, maybe not fully immersed into it, but mm -hmm. um, that we feel like we have to live up to. And then when we don't meet those things, like you mentioned, like the status quo, right? Like the expectation mm -hmm. that's given. And um, yeah, and then people burn out or or fall into sin or temptation. <laughs> Happens. Um, that, yeah. But anyways, um, I'm so glad. I praise the Lord that you are. You don't feel that way. It just means you're in the right place. I feel like, and it I seems so. as though you're yeah. being resourced in a way that is like you know allows you to thrive, Paul. And I think that's so amazing. And um, thank you for speaking like just transparently though on the topic itself. I really appreciate no, your thoughts. Sure. Um, I, we have to wrap it up because I could literally, I think we could talk for hours, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, I, I don't, I, I want to know, you know, for me, I feel like it would be obvious what your answer would be, but like, what do you love most about being a pastor? What do I love most? Um, Surprise me. <laughs> Just kidding. It's the money. It's just all the money I get from being a no, <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> oh, no. Um, you know, I think, um, how should I put this? You know, I, 
think the the challenge I think the challenge of it is is what I love most in, a, in a weird way in a weird way shocking yeah, I know. I'm shocked I, actually and, yeah. like no joke well, <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's like especially in the way we've been doing ministry like it's it's been these especially the end of last year was a really tough couple of months sure, um, yeah. just for for myself personally as a pastor especially in my role um, we had a few members leave and if you have if you have 15 members and it goes down to 11 members it feels like a huge yeah. you know like as opposed to 100 to you know 95 you know like it's right, it's right. totally it's a totally different effect right um so it's a super discouraging time because we had a few people end up wanting to 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 dip and um and so it was really discouraging um and and so it was really it really kind of made me question about like what am i doing and um, is it my fault like what could i be doing better so on and so forth and um weirdly enough we had a we had a christmas party near the end of the year um, and the people who came had a really good time. And, um, and since for whatever reason, I will always remember that Christmas party as the thing that kind of shifted for us, mm. uh, weirdly because so, so <laughs> another thing about me, like, <laughs> so I don't really like retreats. <laughs> I don't okay. know about you. <laughs> uh, and in, in the sense that <laughs> this isn't like, so I'm a person who thinks, Christianity or our walk with the Lord shouldn't be from one big event from to an, to the next big event to the next big event. Sure, yeah. um, and unfortunately, I feel like a lot of ministries function that way. They need to keep putting on events to keep the crowd interested and going, and you know, so on and so forth. Which I, 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 I get it. Like I understand that, um, but because I realized, like in the long run, for followers of Jesus, like, I think that's not very healthy. Like it's like fast food. Um, and we need some healthy food, which means just a regular steady diet of something. And so Christian, I'm realizing more and more that Christian is not just one, like, um, it's not like one huge, like emotional commitment to Jesus. It's like a thousand million com- tiny commitments, you know, and, and, you know, like, and it's just a continuing to try and follow those commands out you know um and so that's that's my philosophy in terms of that right and so since since i've kind of held on to that like i've kind of pushed back against people who are like hey are we gonna have a retreat are we gonna do some sort of fellowship or something like i i'm like i'm like if you do it and then they never do it so i'm okay you know (laughs) like you know like if you plan it and you know but um but that christmas party started to change my mind a little bit because i'm realizing and maybe and this is my own fault and this is maybe something even obvious but i just needed to see it happen that um people need time to just especially if they're not like super close and things like that. There are times like a retreat or a party or something like that can be super, can open up a lot of stuff. Um, And for whatever reason, like that Christmas party was that. Mm -hmm. Um, After that, like it was in particular, I can, I won't say names, but it was in particular, there's, there's this one couple who always like, they've been coming out to our church for a while, but like, they felt kind of like distant, like they didn't mm. feel like part of the, the group. And we're a small, again, we're a small group. So if you feel out, outside of the group, it's like, you might actually be outside of the group because we're, we're just mm. like one group, essentially. Um, and so she and, and he and she, they were kind of feeling a little outside and, and stuff like that. But they came, but they've been super faithful in the sense they try and help out, they try and serve and be helpful and uh, meet people and be outgoing and all that stuff. They they make the effort on their end anyway. Um, and but but on the other side of that, like 
some people thought they were like kind of like I don't know, like I don't know if weird is the right word. I don't know. Like they were just they just like forward and they couldn't click. I don't know okay, what it was. Sure, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. And and so because of that, it was always kind of weird. But then after that Christmas party, um, they all just started hanging out. They realized they have a lot more in common with each other. Um, they started gaming. They all, I think everybody at my in my church plays like computer games except for me and my wife <laughs> but they all connect on that level they all like me hey let's get on let's get on you know league of legends and just yes, game for hours yes. and hours and hours you know and, and so they they started doing that they started inviting each other to each other's houses for dinner and things like that which never happened and so now we actually feel like one collective group all after that christmas party that's great and um and so that's like starting to like shift my heart like question my my you know whatever conviction or whatever i had about being against retreats or like these like kind of like just big quote-unquote events that we have to plan and put up and stuff like that like because um it's like yeah you know every now and then that might not be a bad thing like it's yeah it's <laughs> wait, not maybe, Paul, maybe it's, it's not helpful. a bad thing, <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing. I, I, yeah yeah i guess you know box of french fries every now and then it's okay Um, and i'm I'm learning that which is i know it feels like such a like i've i've i think you maybe you knew me when when you knew me man i'm i think i'm so different in terms of my no you're so i'm there's no doubt in my mind that your (laughs) thought process or not thought process your thoughts and what you believe to to be is probably much different than when we knew each other. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've gone back and forth on a lot of different stuff. Um, Man, we and, got married. Uh, we had two kids, four between the both of us, like a lot's happened. Wow. So. so <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, so that, that was, yeah, I don't know. I will always remember that Christmas party as something that shifted in our mm. culture, you know, in our, at our church. And, um, and so, so in that, all of that to say, um, those things, those challenges are the reasons and and the results and the things I learn and how I grow and things like that. All of those things um, are the best things about being a pastor, I think. Like the 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 growing, the maturing spiritually, the realizing I'm wrong and being humbled, um, the the small victories, like even though people left, now it, but it, now it feels like the group we have is more tight-knit than ever, which is something yeah, they all desired yeah. before those people left. Like yeah. people left is the people who left like felt like they weren't they weren't we weren't tight-knit enough. That was part of the reason why they left, but then suddenly they leave and now we're all tight-knit, you know. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so yeah, the whole back and forth and being able to experience that as a as a pastor and watch it and be a part of that has been um has been a joy. Yeah, as as challenging as it's been, yeah. That's amazing. That's so good. I I actually really love that a lot. Um, so I ask all my guests the same question um, at the end of our interview and our time together. And by the way, if I I, I think I already thanked you, but I want to thank you again. Just uh, your transparency today has meant so much to me, and I'm sure to many people listening. Um, but. Yeah, do you have any like last words, any advice for those thinking about uh, going into ministry, being a pastor, or just you know any life by- life advice at all? Yeah, yeah, I was trying to think about this, and um, so I'm I'm going through the Book of Colossians with my church, like as a sermon series, and uh, we just got finished with uh, verse 15 to 23. That's the whole image of the invisible God, you know, firstborn of all creation, if you're familiar with that passage. Um, 
And the application I had for that sermon, I think really would really fit well for anybody who's considering being a pastor. So I had two points. First one was capture uh, a, a grand vision of who God is. Mm. Okay, so you need to see that God is much more than uh, wish fulfillment. Like he's not a genie. Uh, God is not um, a career consultant. Like you just go to him to figure out what job you should take. Um, God is not a therapist. Like he's not there just to take care of all your emotional needs and things like that. He is the king of the entire universe. Yes. He created the cosmos. The universe spins on his pinky. Like he, um, he is huge and way bigger than anything we can think or imagine, right? Um, he has authority over everyone and everything, whether they like it or not, right? Um, uh, Russian president, Ukrainian president, our president, um, all of, he is the king over them right? And he rules over them. They are there because he allows them to be. He permits it. Even Satan and his demons and evil forces and angelic forces and forces of good. God is still king and authority over all those things. And you need to just capture that and soak in as much as you can, the ocean that God is, right? As much as you can. Um, Because if you start going down the other way where you box him into this little tiny, like, uh, he's just like he like and as important as those smaller things small quote unquote, smaller things are um about like he is a comforter like you're in times of sorrow and trouble he calls us to go to him and cast our burdens before him and those things those are all good and i i would i would always encourage anybody to go to the lord with with the little things mm-hmm. right but don't think of him as a therapist or somebody you just you know like kind of lean on or whatever the case is like go to him knowing that he's the king of the cosmos, right? That he, like a therapist can give you advice, but he's the one who can heal you, you know? Like that's that's the difference, mm-hmm. you know, like in a sense. Like if you think of him too small, like the God you're preaching is probably not a big enough God, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if, you're, if you're going to be a pastor there. So first thing would be, if you want to be a pastor, make sure that your God is a really huge God, right? Big enough for anything, right? Um, the second thing, a uh, second application here that I would pass on to pastors is you need a huge, uh, you need a grand vision of the church. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you have a big God and his wife is really big too. <laughs> uh, so the church um, is not just community. It is, it is very minimum a community, a community, but it is, that is not what you go to church for is just community. Secular people go to church for community. Right. I've talked to people at bigger churches. Like, I'm like, hey, when did you become a Christian? Oh, I just go here because I just want to make some friends. Like, I've literally heard that at churches, mm-hmm. right? So they're not Christians, but their best friends are at church. So they just go. Um, you can find community at churches, but you can find community at your intramural soccer club or something, right? Like, you can find that anywhere. Um, the church is not just extra family. Like, it, I mean, it is family. Like, by, the Bible tells us that. Yes and amen. But it is much more than that as well, right? Um, the the church, as according to Ephesians, is God's plan to display His wisdom to the powers of invisible powers and invisible powers everywhere, and it's displayed because people who are natural enemies come together because the walls of hostility have been broken down through the cross of Christ, and so Jews and Gentiles get together, right, because of Christ. Right, that wall of hostility has been taken down because of Jesus and what he's done on the cross. And so when you see a Jew and a Gentile 
worshiping the same God together, that is what displays gospel power. And what that says to the forces of darkness says, our God is wise. You couldn't have pulled this off. Only God could have done this. And that's what the church is, is where natural enemies come together and love each other. Um, and and <clears throat> now that's hard to do. Um, and it's not perfect. It doesn't mean like uh, there's another soapbox we could whole get on about multi-ethnic churches and things like that and that having to be the thing. But um, but it, it's hard to do. But diversity is not just in ethnicity. Diversity can be socioeconomic status. It could be in life stages. It could be age. It could be anything like that. But the point is, people that shouldn't be hanging out together are hanging out together because of one sole reason, which is Jesus, the gospel. It's what brings them together. And they're all feasting together. Tax collectors and Pharisees are, are sitting together at the table because of Jesus. Like that's, that's what the church is. And you need to capture that vision. If you don't have that vision of the church and you just think, you know what, I just want people to feel safe in a safe community. We want that too, of course. But what if it was a safe community when your enemy is on the other side? Like that displays gospel power, not just, a, not just a, like a small community or things like that. It has to be much more than that. It has to be more common ground than just your same interests, you know, like video games or podcasting or whatever the case is, right? Um, it has to be like clear gospel power is here. And that's what the church is there for, is to display God's wisdom in the gospel. Um, and you need to hold on to that um, before you think about going on to the pastor. Because if you're there because you just want to help people, then be a therapist, like counseling. That's a that's a honorable vocation to go into you know that's fine you know that's great just do that then you know but being a pastor is you have caught um you 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 are serving a huge god and you are serving his his people a huge god's people um in his church um and you need to have that vision before you go into pastoral ministry otherwise you're going to burn out i think so yeah. i'm trying not to get emotional <laughs> um yeah, thank you. Thank you, Paul, because I think um, that was more than just advice, right? It's like, that's the truth. <laughs> and I think my, uh, the reason I feel emotional is because I, some days I forget. <laughs> A lot of days I forget. I think that piece about what God's church looks like and its purpose, right? Um, yeah, like I feel like I need to ask God for forgiveness. You know, I feel like I so often like want to do all the things. <laughs> and I'm not saying that's not okay. I'm just saying there is a, it is bigger than I could ever imagine or understand. And so, um, yeah, so I'm really grateful and thank you. Thank you for um, taking the time to share it with me. I really appreciate it. Um, so I, uh, also ask people <laughs> sorry sorry i'm like no. so i'm in i'm in it is why i'm in it's it it's okay yeah um, i'm down i'm okay if there are if there's somebody listening that maybe has more questions or just finds you super interesting 
<laughs> no, like, no, but seriously, like, you know, desires to want to know more uh, transparently about what it looks like to be a pastor. Would you be open to me connecting you with them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was my biggest um, hope with and uh, like why I took this opportunity to join the podcast too was um, yeah, because more and more, I just think we need more pastors yeah. in the world. Yeah. Um, I know I need more pastors in my church. I need help, you know. Uh, but but just not just in my church, but any, any local church. Like um, I I think like we just need multiple pastors in every church. Um, and so yeah, send them my way. Um, I'll send you my email. I'm off social media. Like I'm I have it open. So if you want to look for it, you could. But I probably won't respond. I check it every now and then. But um, but yeah, you're more than welcome to to. I'll, I'll send you my contact info, and you can pass Perfect. it out if they ask for it. Awesome. Well, Paul, thank you so much again. I really appreciate Oh, yes. One last thing. One last thing. Yes. Um, I forgot about this. Uh, you have some resources that you felt like um, would be valuable to our listeners. Um, can you share them real quick? Yeah. So this book, uh, it's called The Path to Being a Pastor. Wow. I need Bobby that Jameson. one. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably the best most readable book on becoming a pastor than I've ever read. So there are lots of books about with the deep theology and so on and so forth. And, but this one was just, it was like um, a mentor was sitting there just, and I was just asking questions. He was just answering what his experience was like. And it was very practical, very helpful. Um, and I would recommend this to anybody who is thinking, I think this is the book you need to read before you even consider the fact. Um, so please, if you, so yeah, yeah. So here's this book. The other book is called The Gospel at Work. Uh, it's by How the Gospel Gives New Purpose and Meaning to Our Jobs. I thought this would be just helpful for your podcast in general, not just pastors, though I think all the same applications apply to being a pastor, but any job, um, furniture designing, theme park designing, what you know, accountants and data analysts and whatever, this would be a super foundational, helpful book, I think, just considering how to um, how the gospel applies to how you do your job. Um, and how that affects it so um, but yeah so I just wanted to share these two resources because I think they really will be helpful in both being a pastor and just um, just being a Christian at your work you know essentially so yeah awesome those are those are really great it's like literally just the title is is like <laughs> straight to the yeah. point Super straight you know yep. like yep. let's not mess around here <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> so clear um yeah. yeah and paul has generously uh offered to uh, give away some books um so um i'm just gonna say it here like you know the first two people to dm me on instagram um i'll send you a book or paul will send you a book <laughs> yeah so you'll She'll connect you to, to me. I'll ask for your address and I'll mail it to you. Perfect. Awesome. That's awesome. So first two people DM me, okay? <laughs> um, but yeah. The first person will get this one. Well, should I just do it by request? No, no. First person. No, no. Actually, request. Which one do you want? Yeah, which one do you want? Which send, one do you want? Yeah. Yeah. And go. then, um, but what if they, the first two people want the same book? Um, whoever asked for it. The one that first, they wanted first. first, we'll get that one. And I'm sorry, sorry, you get the second <laughs> one. <laughs> okay, it's free. Okay, just take. Yeah, it's free. It. Please, 
Yeah. Hopefully the person who asked first will ask for this one first because this one's much more specific. Yes, yes. You know, so that'd be funny if nobody wanted this one. And they're like, I don't want to be a pastor, but dude, I'm, I'm stuck with for you, now, okay? So. I'm <laughs> I'll just send it to you instead. <laughs> uh, well, thanks again, Paul. Um, you guys, if uh, you have any questions or you'd like to be connected to Paul, you can feel free to DM me on social media or you can email me at podcastwigu at gmail.com and I'll get you connected to right away. Um, Paul, thank you again. I can't thank you enough for your time um, and just your story and your journey and sharing it with me. Uh, just so honestly, I really had fun. I hope you did too. I did. I had a lot of fun. Thank you so much for inviting me. Awesome. All right, guys. Until next time. Bye.